morning, ladies and gentlemen. Another busy day here in the Live with Rank Show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to have to do something that I don't usually do, and that is start the show off with an interview. With an interview of a lawyer we've had many times on the show talking about the constitutional issues that is happening here in the United States, excuse me, the state of Michigan and the United States, he was in front of the Michigan Supreme Court yesterday, and now he's in front of you. But before I go there, also at the top of the next hour, so an hour from now, we'll have Congressman Peter Meyer on air. He wanted to come on and talk to all of you about the current events that are happening. So let's go right to David Coleman from the Great Lakes Justice Center and the Coleman Legal Group. As I stated, he was yesterday in front of the Michigan Supreme Court. And at least now, when it comes to voice, he's in front of you. Good morning, David. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always uh, great to be with you. Now, as I stated, you were yesterday arguing in front of the uh, Supreme Court with, uh, I guess, uh, I wouldn't say against, but on the other side was Attorney General uh, Dana Nelson, uh, uh, Nessel, excuse me, and a worthy appointment she must be when asked a question. This was her response to the Michigan Supreme Court. Quote, honestly, uh, what it means is that for, you know, everyday Michiganders who, who go into a cafe and order a cup of coffee, they can still be turned away. They can still be told, we're not going to serve you here. And that's a travesty. End quote. It must have been very difficult arguing against uh, uh, logic like that. Uh, but that's my opinion, not yours. Why were you in front of the Michigan Supreme Court arguing yesterday or making your case? Sure. Well, this all started a few years ago, and I think I was actually on with you talking about this when it was happening. Yes, you were. Uh, the Civil Rights Commission passed an interpretive statement that basically changed the law. The Elliott Larson Act, uh, since its inception 45 years ago, has never covered sexual orientation, gender identity, things like that. And so now there's been these recent cases in the last few years and attempts to now modify the law to include those categories without going to the legislature and getting legislative approval. And in fact, back in 1976, there was an amendment offered in the legislature uh, to amend Elliot Larson to add sexual orientation as a category back 45 years ago, and it was voted down. So the legislature explicitly rejected sexual orientation as a category. And yet here we were a couple years ago, the Civil Rights Commission saying, well, we can read in the shadows and penumbras of the law, <laughs> even though it doesn't say sexual orientation, we find it there. It's there because it had, we have the word sex. Well, the word sex is used in this statute for all these decades has always been interpreted to mean biological sex, male or female. So you can't uh, discriminate on that basis. It had nothing to do with any other category. And so when they passed that interpretive statement a few years ago, then they started accepting complaints from individuals against businesses or anybody else if there was a claim of sexual orientation discrimination. So we represent Roush World, which is an event center down in Sturgis, Michigan, and they had declined respectfully to participate or host a same-sex marriage. They did not decline to host 
the reception or birthday parties or anything else for any gay individual. So this really has nothing to do with our clients being anti anybody because of their sexual orientation. That's not what this is about. This is about a request for them to do something that violated their religious belief and would force them to communicate a message, you know, that, uh, that they don't agree with. And we believe the case law in the First Amendment is clear that you cannot force people to convey messages or to repeat words or endorse things that they disagree with. And so it's as simple as that. And what happened is once the Civil Rights Department uh, and the commission, you know, changed their view on this, uh, this category um, and went after our clients, we then filed suit in the Court of Claims in Michigan here in Lansing and asked that they be stopped from doing that. Judge Murray, uh, who is, is also sits on the Court of Appeals, our Court of Claims is part of the Court of Appeals in Michigan. And Judge Murray, who is the chief judge of the Court of Appeals, ruled in our way, our favor for Roush World and, and said, no, sexual orientation is not a part of the Elliott Larson Act. It's not a protected category. Then the department appealed they bypassed the Court of Appeals and went straight to the Supreme Court, and that's why we were there yesterday, Rank. We were having arguments before the Supreme Court on that simple issue of whether or not the word sex also means sexual orientation in the Elliott Larson Act. Well, you know what's really interesting, David? And again, this is David Coleman. It, was this brought on the behalf of or through the Great Lakes Justice Center or the Coleman Legal Group? Yes. No, this is a Great Lakes Justice okay. Center case. All right, yeah. just want to make sure you know I'm a details guy. I, What's interesting, Absolutely. what's very interesting about this case is many times people who are emotionally based when they're looking at the law uh, want the judges to interpret something that wasn't said. All right? It wasn't argued. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't debated. So... Uh, for instance, uh, go back and decide what you think was in their mind when they wrote this. That's not even this case. In this case, it's simple. You don't even have to answer that question. They stated, at least from this perspective of what you brought out earlier, in 1976, they did talk about should we add sexual orientation. They decided not to. There's no trying to get into the mind of the legislators back in. Am I correct in that? Yeah, absolutely. This came up in the oral argument yesterday and questions from some of the justices is that, you know, there's a difference between what we call legislative history. You know, uh, was there some summary of the bill from the Legislative Service Bureau or were there committee notes or things like that? That's kind of a, a, a topic of legislative history. But there's a difference between that and direct evidence of the context of a bill and, and actions taken by the legislature. That's direct evidence. You don't have to guess as to what they did. You can see what they did. They voted it down. And so that's our point. And, you know, Rick, it's, it's, you know, it, I know it's hard for people to differentiate the issues when you get into these kinds of cases because they are very emotional on all sides for people. But the issue here in this case is not whether or not Elliot Larson Act should be amended, whether or not sexual orientation should be added or should not be added. That is not something this court should be deciding right now. We made that argument very clear yesterday. 
The only issue is, as a matter of statutory construction, did the word sex, when it was put in Elliott Larson Act 45 years ago and the bill was passed, was that, did that mean also sexual orientation? And, you know, we have case law in Michigan right that is right on point. Our Supreme Court has ruled when the legislature explicitly rejects language in a, in a statute, the Supreme Court cannot rule that the legislature meant to include the very language they denied, that they excluded. And so it's as simple as that. I, I gave this example at the end of my argument yesterday, Rank. I said to the justices, I said, Your Honors, you know, Think of it like this. Pass a bill. I don't care, generic, whatever it's about. You're passing a bill, and the legislature says it means A. All right? Everybody understands it means A. And then, years later, decades later, or no, before that, the legislature then has an amendment for somebody to change it and to say it now means B. And so you have these two things. And the legislature says, no, it's not B, it's A. On any, whatever the topic is. And I said to the court, Your Honor, you would never rule then that the legislature meant B instead of A because you know they didn't. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. When you take the emotion out of it and and all of the politics out of it and the maneuvering and everything else, it's as simple as that. And so then the issue becomes, well, then who decides? Since we know the legislative intent was sexual orientation was not included, that's the way the law must be interpreted if the court is going to follow the law. Well, then does that mean game over? There'll never be anything happen? No, it means it goes to the proper forum in our representative form of government. It goes to the legislature. It goes to the people. It goes to those if they want to do a petition drive again and have it on the ballot. It's the ballot box. It's the legislature where issues like this of public policy are decided not by lawyers sitting in a court torturing some definition to now come up with something new for a word that it has never been used that way in the past. So it's that simple, right? And, and it is that simple. I'm going to take a quick break here, uh, Dave. I'm going to take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side. And I, I want to ask, well, there's several questions. One I want to ask is this. Why, if what you just said a few minutes ago, that a judge cannot change the meaning of something and in this case they clearly cannot do it did the supreme court take this on because they can't legally rule one way or the other maybe i'm wrong because there's a supreme court and what is dana nessel's response to that you listen live with rank on air with me is david coleman for the great lakes justice center in this case he was in front of the michigan supreme court discussing debating this case we were just talking about i kind of told everybody and i didn't say why i had to have dave on right from the get-go of the start of the show it's interesting uh, but he has other business to attend to and that's why i wanted to get him on as quick as possible you're listening to live with rank and we'll be right back after this you're listening to the live with rank show i appreciate that very very much online with us is david coleman senior attorney for the great lakes justice center yesterday morning he was or sometime during the day he was in front of the michigan supreme court him and dana nessel discussing this roush world uh, case that he is the uh, attorney for the defendants in this actually let's uh, bring him back uh, on 
And are, are they defendants or plaintiffs in this one, David? Well, we're the plaintiffs in this yeah, case. Okay, that's what I thought. The department, yeah. When I thought, when I said defendants, I said to myself, wait, I think they're the, the plaintiffs on this one. And I was actually trying to find the song, and I cannot believe with all our stations, we do not have show me the meaning of the word by the pretenders. It would have been awesome for this. I just <laughs> didn't even think that I had to go in this morning as show prep and put it in there, but I'm either doing something wrong here. We wouldn't it have been, you know, Chrissy Hines with the pretender. Show me the meaning of the word because people just want to take the meaning of words and definitions and make it their own. In this case, they want to say that sex and the Elliot Larson uh, civil rights bill means that it's also orientation. It's not just physical gender or sex because, you know, that doesn't even exist anymore in many people's minds. There's no such thing as science or biology that they believe in. Uh, but that's my opinion. Uh, Dave, I had asked you before we had to go to break and you had mentioned that there's actually a law. Is it, is it a constitutional law that a judge cannot say, when a legislature passes a bill and says that the color of the sky is blue and then years later some activist comes out and says, well, we want to change that to the color of the sky is, is uh, yellow. They can't do it because it's actually written in the law. Or if it's argued back then, we should also add yellow. They say no. They can't rule and change that meaning is that did i understand that correctly yeah it's not a statute or it's not in the constitution what it is it's a decision in another case that by the michigan supreme court where they said language that the legislature explicitly rejected cannot later then be read into a law because the legislature explicitly rejected it so how can they argue that was legislative intent the answer is obvious. They can't. But in this and I, case, and I got to say, they, Rank, I'm very disappointed. I, I'm very disappointed you could not find that song again. I know it would have been perfect. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I'm I, I have access to so many of our station songs, and for it not to be in here is very. I I'm going to be speaking to someone after my show today. I'm going to have to get one of my assistants, uh, to, you know, me myself or I, to go and talk to the people and find out if it was my fault or it's just missing. Anyway, uh, but it, it was a decision from a Supreme Court case for so for right. let me understand this then for the Supreme Court in this case to give Nessel what she wants, they would have to re overrule that Supreme Court case. Uh, essentially, sure, or find some way around it. I don't know how they could get around that ruling, but uh, they'd have to deal with it, that's for sure. That's why we brought it to the court's attention yesterday, and it was a very prominent part of our brief that we filed with the court. Right, And, it's and I know you asked before the break, yeah, I know you asked, Rick, about, well, why is the Attorney General arguing this if it's that clear and that sort of thing? Well, it's very simple. It's because of the Bostock case a couple of years ago where uh, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled uh, that they were going to find that sexual orientation was part of and included in the, the word sex as it's used in Title VII for employment discrimination cases in, in federal law. And so that's the basis for it is they're, they're, they're claiming, well, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled for Title VII 
So that means here in Michigan, justices here in Michigan, you have to do exactly the same thing for the Elliott Larson Act. Well, you read Obviously, my mind. You disagree, I had to, and yes. that's not true. You read yeah. my mind because I had to, I was going to ask you next. So how does that plan to here in the state? Is it because the right. U.S. Supreme Court was talking about a federal issue? Right. The Bostock case, Justice Gorsuch wrote the opinion back in 2020 that under Title VII employment discrimination law, which is very similar to the Elliott Larson Act, they're not identical, but they're similar, uh, that for that law, the federal law, the word sex did include sexual orientation. But their reliance, the AG's reliance on that, in our opinion, is misplaced. And I can give it to you real quick, a couple of reasons why. First off, in, in the Bostock case, uh, all the parties in the court agreed that the word sex, as used in both that federal law, meant biological sex. So we start with that starting point. They agree with us that that's what it means. But where Bostock went awry, or, or where we think it's flawed, is then Gorsuch went on to say, well, but we can look at the, gram the grammar, the grammatical uh, use of the word sex, and we're going to read into that that we find that there's sexual orientation. But the problem is they use a standard, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, but it's called a but-for test. But for this, that happened. And the judge used, Judge Gorsuch used that kind of a standard to uh, find then that sexual orientation was covered. The problem with that is here in Michigan, we don't have the same test. And again, we have decades of precedent uh, in our, US, our Michigan Supreme Court that says our determining factor or our, our analysis is what is the determining factor for the alleged discrimination or what's the motivating factor for the alleged discrimination. It's not a strict but-for test. So that's a huge difference because Michigan does not follow that standard and they don't have to in Michigan. And then third, I think there's a big reason is because in Bostock, they did not have direct evidence that Congress specifically considered adding sexual orientation and denied it. They didn't have that in the Title VII case in Bostock. We have that here. That's a huge distinction. I think if that had happened in the Bostock case, I don't think the Supreme Court would have ruled that way because you have clear, direct evidence of the legislature's intended use for the word sex. And so those are all the reasons why we argued yesterday to the court that the Bostock case does not control the Michigan Supreme Court has ruled in prior cases they're not bound by federal rulings on Title VII cases. But that does not end the discussion here in Michigan. So for all those reasons, uh, we think the Attorney General is wrong. And we understand their, their reason, you know, reason for wanting to do this, and we understand folks who want to change the law. But you don't do it through this kind of an action in court. You do it through the legislature, you do it at the ballot box. That's where public policy should be decided. Yeah, I heard you, and we heard you earlier, and if anybody's just joining us, this is David Coleman from the Great J Lakes Justice Center, was in front of the Supreme Court, Michigan Supreme Court yesterday with Dana Nelson, Nessel, excuse me, uh, concerning this Roush World case we're talking about. It has nothing to do whether someone's LGBTQ plus, minus, pi, square, whatever. It has to do only with... A judge cannot make this ruling. It has to go to the legislature and let them change it. And you've got no beef with that, correct? Right. 
And, and again, it's not unusual. Courts determine language all the time in statutes and they interpret it. They do it all the time. The distinction here is, yeah, but you have the legislature who directly voted on the very language they're wanting you to read into the law now, and they denied it. That's the difference, Rank. This isn't like it's a word that's in a statute that nobody has any direction on. Nobody, maybe it is a little ambig ambiguous and nobody really knows. Courts interpret those kinds of things all the time, and that's totally appropriate. But here it's not because you have the direct legislative context and they have to, in our opinion, follow that. Well, you know, that being said, is that what you want? Because I have one last question to ask. I know you got a skedaddle, but is there anything more in this yeah. case you want my listeners to know? No, I, I think that okay. we've covered it pretty well. There. I know you got a skedaddle here real quickly. So here's the question. Really? Gorsuch read into a, the intent of a word? I, that I'm yeah. confused about that. That is not generally what quote unquote uh, jurists who believe in the U.S. Constitution would would uh, well. I, I don't know. I, I just it just I was surprised to hear that Gorsuch uh, read into this word and made it what he wanted it to be. Were you? Am I missing something here? Very much so. No, nope. yeah, we were very surprised also. Um, it's not the typical conservative textualist approach um, that you would expect from a conservative justice, but that's what he did. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Okay, well, I appreciate that. you coming on air uh, right straight from this, the Supreme Court here. Thank you very much. Good luck. All right, thanks, Rank. Anytime. You have a great day. That was David Coleman from the Great Lakes Justice Center. I thought it, it certainly was and it is an important case. And I, I'm really happy that he was able to so quickly turn it around and come on air to discuss it with you guys. And I want to make sure people understand it only has to do with the interpretation of that word. And the big difference, as Dave stated is that the legislation or the legislators, when voting on the Civil Rights Act and debating it, rejected what Dana Nelson wants. And all the client of the of Davis saying and Davis just send it to the legislature or send it to the people. This actually went to the people for a vote or to be put on the ballot in a, in a petition drive, and it didn't garner enough signatures. So as usual, when the people don't want something, they go around the people and not even ask for the elected representatives of the people to make a decision or vote and debate on this. No, they want the courts to just enforce it. And that, my friends, is the problem. Lines are now open. If you have a thought about what we're talking about today, love to hear from you. 269-441-9595. You're listening to The Live with Rank Show, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to The Live with Rank. Do you know what I mean? Well, we certainly know what the, what the legislators who voted on the civil rights, Elliot Larson, Michigan Civil Rights Bill, we do know what they mean because they said exactly what they mean. When it was debated whether to put sexual gender or, excuse me, uh, orientation in our 
Elliot Larson, they chose not to. So there's no interpretation that has to happen. And all anyone's asking for, and when we discuss this with Dave Coleman, his clients, and many people, is just do it the right way. Don't go around the people. The, the people rejected adding sexual orientation just a few years ago. They rejected it through a, a petition drive. They couldn't get enough signatures adding sexual orientation to the civil rights bill. Whether you like it or not, that's what happened. So Dana Nessel and others want to go around the people and then even around the elected politicians that the people chose for them to decide and just write to a, a bunch of people in suit in robes and have them decide. The attorney that was in front of the Supreme Court yesterday with David was, let me see here, what was his name? I am, I thought I had it here. Bosch, I think it was. John Bosch, Josh Bursch, former Michigan Solicitor General under Bill Schuette. John Bursch. He, he said... The question the court has to answer is what did the public understand the word sex to mean in 1976? And we know that they understood it to mean only biological sex. And he says they know it because they stayed. They said that. He goes on to say, otherwise, if you just use the meaning of the word as it might be considered today, you can change the law without going through the democratic process. And that's anti-democratic. Now. Both Coleman and, and Bursch argue, quote, they also said that in 1976, lobbyists tried to include the phrase sexual orientation in the Civil Rights Act, but were unsuccessful. To them, that means that legislature had the capacity to expressly ban such dis discrimination, but chose not to. Bursch then went on and say, quote, there's all kinds of things that the Elliott Larson does not cover. It does not cover eye color. It doesn't cover male pattern baldness. If you were discriminated against on that basis and you went to bring an Elliot Larson claim, you wouldn't be covered, end quote. Now, I am partial to the male barden, uh, pattern baldness issue because I have male pattern baldness. Thanks, mom. Uh, because I hear many companies that run, and I'm talking about media companies that run TV stations, they won't hire bald men. Did Dana argue on my behalf? That would be a no. Think about that. How many bald men do you see as anchors or show hosts or weathermen or what have you? So why isn't Dana Nessel arguing for that also? 269-441-9595. You listen to me rank on the Live with Rank show. Lines are open. Let's go to Portage, Michigan. And John, good morning, John. Welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Rank. I hate to come behind David Coleman because he does a great job on what he's doing. And uh, maybe he'll have a date with me now that I said those nice things about him. But as to what he was speaking about, apparently in the case... In the Supreme Court, the question was the meaning that the legislature had for sex. Now, 
I've talked about this previously on your show about constructing contracts and constructing legislation. You look for what the legislation was intended to do or what the legislature intended. In this case, where the legislature was offered the interpretation that the attorney general now wants and rejected it, it is clear that their intent was not to include it in the legislation. So this case is crystal clear, and David is correct. Does that help? Yeah, exactly. I I was wondering, this is so clear that it's almost, I I don't know why. Well, let me take that back because I did bring that up to Dave. I guess they would have to overturn a previous Supreme Court ruling to even, or as Dave said, work around it somehow to even give the relief that Dana Nessel is asking for. And it's not that it hasn't, I assume, been done before, but it's certainly a long shot. uh, And it's not like uh, that ruling was so far uh, long ago. Uh, I remember in my research, the date, it wasn't like from 50 years ago, but yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. And all, again, all the smart people are asking for all the people who don't use pure emotion to uh, make their decisions is just do it the right way either get enough signatures to put it on a ballot which they tried and it failed or get the legislature to debate and vote on it have them say yes we're going to add that and we go on our merry way people may not agree with it or they agree with it fine but at least it's legal at that point so, and it's interesting. I have another case I'm going to bring up with you guys where Dana Nessel in two separate cases is arguing the opposite. In one case, she's arguing for the non-delegation clause, which kind of gets into what we're talking about here. It's basically about who can make the laws and the rules. And in the other case, the way I read it, she's arguing against it. So thanks, Dave. Uh, John, anything else? Uh, yes, uh, with regards to Gorsuch, okay? Gorsuch didn't have the legislative intent by rejecting the interpretation and didn't have a case, probably. But who knows what facts Gorsuch had which led him to go to the conclusion that he went to. We don't know that. Dave apparently didn't fully research that, I don't think. But uh, there could be reasons for it. Nestle. You know, if she could win the argument on two sides of the case, okay, she's just a super lawyer. But uh, the facts appear clear to me that the legislature in Michigan said no. Right, right. And if the Supreme, if the Supreme Court says yes, it's all politics. Well, being a super lawyer, as I said earlier, what surprised me, because I've never heard her argue in court uh, is when Bernstein, Judge Justice Bernstein, asked her question, her response was, quote, honestly, uh, what it means is that for, uh, you know, everyday Michiganders who, and, and then I'll just leave it at that. Thanks, John, for calling in. I appreciate that. All right, bye-bye. You have a great day. 
269-441-9595. You're listening to the Live with Rank Show, and we'll be right back after this. Into the Live with Rank Show, best of both worlds. Interesting that after talking about this case with David Coleman from the Great Lakes Justice Center yesterday that he argued in front of the Supreme Court, I also found this. Dana Nessel is asking the Michigan Supreme Court to reverse the ruling that overturned Whitmer's emergency powers. So way back in October 2020, when the Supreme Court said you have uh, you have broken the constant. No, not broken. What's that? You have you're you're in violation of the Constitution and the whole emergency powers. When she just said, I'm dictator. That's it. No one can say anything about it. And what I say goes that one. And the Supreme Court said, no, the Constitution uh, was, in fact, what she was relying on, I think they said, was unconstitutional. That's the word I'm looking for. Now, she's asking for the Supreme Court, Michigan Supreme Court, to overrule their ruling. Why? E- even though, and this is what I don't get, that law that Whitmer was using to take total control of our state has been taken off the books supreme court said it's unconstitutional they took it off the books the legislature did so i don't know what she's trying to get out of this i assume there's more long ball to this because they plan on maybe passing something that says that she has uh, the governor can have a total control over the the entire state But the reason she's doing it now is because of the 2020 election. And it flipped the court from Republican to Democrat. There's four Democrats. I would argue five because one of the quote-unquote Republican votes as a Democrat or rules as a Democrat emotionally most many times. I think it was Kavanaugh was her name. But it's four three right now. So here's the interesting part. A, the court flipped from 4-3 Republican to 4-3 Democrat. The decision back in October 2020 was 4-3. to All the Democrats ruled to allow any governor based on an unconstitutional law in our books to take complete and total control over the state. As she did. Now, caveat being that veto-proof bills could have passed, could have been brought to her, but her Democratic Party refused to. And as I always told you, they even flipped votes because she told them to flip him. And and they did in the Senate. So they were voting for something which made it a veto-proof. In fact, completely veto-proof. If you remember, it had to do with whistleblowers. And they wanted to give more protection to whistleblowers in the state of Michigan. And Whitmer did not want to. Every single Democrat state rep and senator voted with the Republicans to give more protection to the whistleblowers. And Whitmer didn't want to give them any more protection. And you heard nothing from the Detroit News. You heard nothing. Crickets from the Lansing State Journal. Crickets from Cranes. Crickets from uh, all of them. Every one of these quote-unquote news media crickets that she did not they reported what happened but nothing in the in the uh uh editorial or opinions 
about her not wanting to give whistleblowers protection, more protection when she was in office. So even that, when Whitmer said, I'm not going to sign it, I don't care if every single Republican and every single Democrat voted for this. I'm not going to sign it. And she went to the Senate, told those senators, you reverse your vote. You reverse your vote right now. And they did. And they did. So they made a unanimous decision or vote. No longer even veto proof. So with that in mind, that was one law or one ruling. She wants it overturned. And in that overturning of that law, she she is pointing to the non-delegation clause. And the non-delegation in the state of Michigan means there are you can't delegate your lawmaking rule to someone else. So the legislature can't delegate, I guess, without a vote. The, the ability for someone not elected to make law. Well, then we come to the Iron Pig case. The Iron Pig case, attorney David Delaney, who we've had on many, many times here on the show recently, won that case. And that's where the state's appeal or the, 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 yeah, their appeal comes from a Gaylord restaurant's refusal in November of 2020 to comply with state health department orders that shut down their businesses. So when Whitmer can no longer use her EOs, her executive orders herself, to shut down businesses in Michigan, because in October, in this other case we just talked about, the U.S., excuse me, the Michigan Supreme Court said, that's unconstitutional what you're doing. The law is unconstitutional, so what you're doing is unconstitutional. They, um, Whitmer then turned to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services and said, you issue my executive orders as whatever they called it. And they said, okay, we will, and they did. The restaurant received a cease and desist order from the Department of Health and Human Services on November 25th, 2020, and ultimately a $5,000 fine for reopening. Well, I'm running out of time. I'll get a little bit more into the details after my interview because I have an interview coming up with Congressman Meyer. But in that case, the Iron Pig case, they're actually arguing, from what I can tell, the opposite. So on the Supreme Court case... Yes, we believe in the non-delegation clause. In the Iron Pig case, nah, we don't really care for the non-delegation clause. We think that a health department can make laws, even though they're not elected. So she's arguing both sides of a case, depending on what case she's in. Overturn the Michigan Supreme Court ruling on October of 2020 saying that that law was unconstitutional, even though that law is off the books now, because we believe in the non-delegation clause. Oh, now uh, rule this way in the iron pig case, because we don't believe in the non-delegation clause. We believe people not elected should be able to, you know, bureaucrats should be able to make their own laws, their own directives and what have you. I hope I explained that well enough. You can certainly give us a call after my upcoming interview. 
with uh, Congressman Meyer. We only have one segment with him. 269-441-9595. We'll be right back after this.